0: Welcome to Dreamful Podcast. Bedtime stories for slumber. I would like to start off this episode by thanking our newest Patreon supporter, Sonia Brown. Thank you so much, Sonia, and I hope you have the sweetest of dreams. If you love Dreamful and would also like to support the show, please visit dreamfulstories.com where you can find more info about the show and on the support page is the link to leave a one-time donation with PayPal, get bonus episodes with Supercast, Apple Podcasts, or Patreon. Your donations and monthly subscriptions help to offset music licensing costs and pay my wonderful editor, Katie. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. The holidays can be joyful to many, but it can also cause stress, anxiety, and feelings of loneliness. If you find yourself feeling stuck, Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. Everyone deserves to feel their best this holiday season. BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. Just fill out a simple questionnaire and receive all the benefits of in-person therapy. Plus, it's more convenient, more accessible, and more affordable. Get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dreamful. That's betterhelp.com slash dreamful. For the past couple of months, I've been telling adaptations of William Shakespeare's most famous works. This is the fourth episode of the series, Romeo and Juliet. So, snuggle up in your blankets and have sweet dreams. Once upon a time, there lived in Verona two great families named Montague and Capulet. They were both rich and I suppose they were as sensible in most things as other rich people. But in one thing, they were most insensible. There was an old, old quarrel between the two families, and instead of making it up like reasonable folks, they made a sort of pet of their quarrel, and would not let it die out, so that a Montague wouldn't speak to a Capulet if he met one on the street, nor a Capulet to a Montague, or if they did speak, it was to say rude and unpleasant things which often ended in a fight, and their relations and servants were just as foolish, so that the street fights and duels and uncomfortableness of that kind were always growing out of the Montague and Capulet quarrel. Now, Lord Capulet, the head of the family, gave a party a grand supper and dance, and he was so hospitable that he said anyone who might come to it except of course the Montagues. But there was a young Montague named Romeo who very much wanted to be there because Rosalind, the lady he loved, had been asked. This lady had never been at all kind to him. And he had no reason to love her, but the fact was that he wanted to love somebody, and as he hadn't seen the right lady, he was obliged to love the wrong one. So to the Capulet's grand party he came, with his friends Mercutio and Benvolio. Old Capulet welcomed him and his two friends very kindly and young Romeo moved about among the crowd of courtly folk, dressed in their velvets and satins, the men with jeweled sword hilts and collars, and the ladies with brilliant gems on breast and arms, and stones of price set in their bright girdles. Romeo was in his best too, and though he wore a black mask over his eyes and nose, Everyone could see by his mouth and his hair and the way he held his head that he was twelve times handsomer than anyone else in the room. Presently, amid the dancers, he saw a lady so beautiful and so lovable that from that moment, he never again gave one thought to that Rosalind, whom he thought he loved, and he looked at this other fair lady as she moved in the dance, in her white satin and pearls, and all the world seemed vain and worthless to him compared with her. And he was saying this, or something like it, when Tybalt, Lady Capulet's nephew, hearing his voice, knew him to be Romeo. Tybalt, being very angry, went at once to his uncle and told him how a Montague had come uninvited to the feast. But old Capulet was too fine a gentleman to be discourteous to any man under his own roof and he bade Tybalt be quiet. But this young man only waited for a chance to quarrel with Romeo. In the meantime, Romeo made his way to the fair lady and told her in sweet words that he loved her and kissed her. Just then, her mother sent for her and then Romeo found out that the lady on whom he had set his heart's hopes was Juliet, the daughter of Lord Capulet, his sworn foe. So he went away, sorrowing indeed, but loving her nonetheless. Then Juliet said to her nurse, Who is that gentleman that would not dance? His name is Romeo, and a Montague, the only son of your great enemy," answered the nurse. Then Juliet went to her room and looked out her window over the beautiful green-gray garden where the moon was shining, and Romeo was hidden in that garden among the trees because he could not bear to go right away without trying to see her again. So she, not knowing him to be there, spoke her secret thought aloud and told the quiet garden how she loved Romeo. And Romeo heard and was glad beyond measure. Hidden below, he looked up and saw her fair face in the moonlight, framed in the blossoming creepers that grew round her window. And as he looked and listened, he felt as though he had been carried away in a dream and set down by some magician in that beautiful and enchanted garden. Ah, why are you called Romeo? said Juliet. Since I love you, what does it matter what you are called? Call me but love, and I'll be new baptized. Henceforth, I never will be Romeo," he cried, stepping into the full white moonlight from the shade of the cypresses and oleanders that had hidden him. She was frightened at first, But when she saw that it was Romeo himself and no stranger, she too was glad. And, he standing in the garden below and she leaning from the window, they spoke long together. Each one trying to find the sweetest words in the world to make that pleasant talk that lovers use and the time passed so quickly as it does for folk who love each other and are together that when the time came to part it seemed as though they had met but that moment and indeed they hardly knew how to part. I will send to you tomorrow said Juliet and so at last With lingering and longing, they said goodbye. Juliet went into her room, and a dark curtain bid her bright window. Romeo went away through the still and dewy garden, like a man in a dream. The next morning, very early. Romeo went to Friar Lawrence, a priest, and telling him all the story, begged him to marry him to Juliet without delay, and this, after some talk, the priest consented to do. So when Juliet sent her old nurse to Romeo that day to know what he proposed to do, The old woman took back a message that all was well and all things ready for the marriage of Juliet and Romeo on the next morning. The young lovers were afraid to ask their parents consent to their marriage as young people should do because of this foolish old quarrel between the Capulets And the Montagues. And Friar Lawrence was willing to help the young lover secretly because he thought that when they were once married their parents might soon be told and that the match might put a happy end to the old quarrel. So the next morning early Romeo and Juliet were married at Friar Lawrence's cell and parted with tears and kisses, and Romeo promised to come into the garden that evening, and the nurse got ready a rope ladder to let down from the window so that Romeo could climb up and talk to his dear wife quietly and alone. But that very day, a dreadful thing happened. Tybalt, the young man who had been so vexed at Romeo's going to the Capulets' feast, met him and his two friends, Mercutio and Benvolio, in the street, called Romeo a villain, and asked him to fight. Romeo had no wish to fight with Juliet's cousin, but Mercutio drew his sword, and he and Tybalt fought, and Mercutio was killed. When Romeo saw that his friend was dead, he forgot everything except anger at the man who had killed him, and he and Tybalt fought, until Tybalt fell dead. So, on the very day of his wedding, Romeo killed his dear Juliet's cousin and was sentenced to be banished. Poor Juliet and her young husband met that night indeed. He climbed the rope ladder among the flowers and found her window, but their meeting was a sad one and they parted with bitter tears and hearts heavy because they could not know when they should meet again. Juliet's father, who had no idea that she was married, wished her to wed a gentleman named Paris and was so angry when she refused that she hurried away to ask Friar Lawrence what she should do. He advised her to pretend to consent and then he said, I will give you a draught that will make you seem to be dead for two days and then when they take you to church, it will be to bury you and not to marry you. They will put you in the vault thinking you are dead. And before you wake up, Romeo and I will be there to take care of you. Will you do this, or are you afraid? I will do it. Talk not to me of fear, said Juliet. And she went home and told her father she would marry Paris. Lord Capulet was very much pleased to get his own way and set about inviting his friends and getting the wedding feast ready. Everyone stayed up all night, for there was a great deal to do and very little time to do it in. Lord Capulet was anxious to get Juliet married because he saw she was very unhappy. Early in the morning, the nurse came to call Juliet and to dress her for her wedding, but she would not wake, and at last, the nurse cried out suddenly, Alas, help, my lady is dead, oh well a day that ever I was born. Lady Capulet came running in. And then, Lord Capulet, and Lord Paris, the bridegroom. There lay Juliet, cold and white and lifeless, and all their weeping could not wake her. So, it was a burying that day, instead of a marrying. Meantime... Friar Lawrence had sent a message to Mantua, with a letter to Romeo telling him of all these things, and all would have been well, only the messenger was delayed and could not go. But ill news travels fast. Romeo's servant, who knew the secret of the marriage, but not of Juliet's pretended death, heard of her funeral, and hurried to Mantua to tell Romeo how his young wife was dead and lying in the grave. Is it so? cried Romeo, heartbroken. Then I will lie by Juliet's side tonight. And he bought himself a poison, and went straight back to Verona. He hastened to the tomb where Juliet was lying, it was not a grave but a vault. He broke open the door and was just going down the strong steps that led to the vault where all the dead Capulets lay when he heard a voice behind him calling on him to stop. It was the Count Paris who was to have married Juliet that very day. How dare you come here and disturb the dead bodies of the Capulets, you vile Montague, cried Paris. Poor Romeo, half mad with sorrow, yet tried to answer gently. You were told, said Paris, that if you return to Verona, you must die. I must indeed, said Romeo. I came here for nothing else. Good gentle youth, leave me. Oh go, before I do you any harm. I love you better than myself. Go, leave me here. Then Paris said, I defy you, and I arrest you as a felon. And Romeo, in his anger and despair, drew his sword. They fought, and Paris was killed. As Romeo's sword pierced him, Paris cried, Oh, I am slain, if thou be merciful open the tomb, and lay me with Juliet. And Romeo said, In faith I will. And he carried the dead man into the tomb, and laid him by the dear Juliet's side. Then he kneeled by Juliet, and spoke to her, and held her in his arms and kissed her cold lips believing that she was dead while all the while she was coming nearer and nearer to the time of her awakening then he drank the poison and died beside his sweetheart and wife now came Friar Lawrence when it was too late and saw all that had happened. And then poor Juliet woke out of her sleep to find her husband and her friend, both dead beside her. The noise of the fight had brought other folks to the place too. And Friar Lawrence, hearing them, ran away and Juliet was left alone. She saw the cup that had held the poison and knew how it all had happened. And since no poison was left for her, she drew Romeo's dagger and thrust it through her heart. And so, falling with her head on Romeo's breast, she died. And so ends the story of these most unhappy lovers.